Herbert is being chased, thrown on the run, and it is caught! Touchdown! Keenan Allen! What a grab! That's what I'm talking about! Hey, that's what I'm talking about! That's the Warrior spirit right there, boy! Huge sack by Joey Bosa! 90-yard touchdown! 90-yard touchdown! It's going to be picked off at the 8-yard line by Derwin James! Herbert sets his feet, takes a shot downfield, has Guyton! Caught! Touchdown, Chargers! That's the greatest throw I've ever seen. I, I'm not kidding. Oh, ho, ho, ho. winnings good, baby. Yes, hello. Welcome to the Thunder Down Under Chargers Football Podcast. Andy here, your host, joined by Jack and Alistair. Boys, what a cheeky finish. <laughs> what a relief. What an experience. Right up there, I tell you. Alistair, how are you, mate? Almost one week away from your big day. How are you feeling? Throwing to me first. Oh, wow. It's special. It must, Just it thought must I'd change it up. Coming up. Yeah, I'm going great, mate. It's, um, we were that close, actually, on Monday uh, to the listeners. Andy and I were watching the game together at my house. And I'll use an Aussie colloquialism. We were, uh, we were a bee's dick away from the season being completely over and sadness and darkness. And, oh, God, we've got to find a way to do podcasts despite losing games. Uh, but we won, and that's all that matters. No one remembers how you win. We won the game, and it felt fantastic. So let's let the good vibes continue on into next week, into Raiders week, FTR, into my wedding next Friday, and let's just bring some positivity for the next few weeks, boys. Love it. Absolutely. Jack, how are you doing, mate? Fresh off a little wine bottling experience. <laughs> yeah. Among my many hats at school, one of those is being the Pulteney Wine Spirit and Beer Brewing. So we made a Pulteney Sparkling Ale and we made four different types of wine. So yeah, uh, it was a lot of work, but we got there in the end. Um, and I can also say that no pillows were harmed this week. <laughs> so I don't have to appear in court for any fresh cases of grievous bodily pillow. Uh, it was a good win. I managed to watch it at school because I've had I've had a very very busy week. I'm not sure if I should say that on air, um, in case my line managers are listening. Highly doubtful. Uh, so yeah, no, nah, really good, really really good, and fantastic to get the win and very positive, feeling very good. Yeah, look, lots to chew through after the road win in Arizona. Fantastic stuff. Um, a little uh, tribute sort of segment from us uh, in between that and the preview for the Dirty Dirty Raiders FTR, the matchup in week 13 that is upon us. Just quickly, if you're new to the show, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Guys, if you've been with us for a while, we appreciate you. Um, don't forget to give the uh, channel on YouTube a like and subscribe, the video a like and a subscri- subscribe and give us a review and a rating on the audios. Alrighty. Los Angeles Chargers 25, Arizona Cardinals 24. Oh, gee. It was another slow start for the Bolts. Costly sacks on back-to-back third downs surrendered any hope of early scoreboard pressure. If not for Derwin James' force fumble, that 10-0 lead Arizona mustard could have easily been far more. Bulk yards available through the air for the cards, and no sign of limiting James Conner or Murray on the ground. Off the back of a Matt Prater field goal, Herbert then goes 7 of 8 for 60 yards. The drive capped off with Keenan Allen's first TD of the year and the Chargers' first of the day. The team's second coming just four minutes later. Derwin's at it again, this time intercepting Kyle Murray on what I guess social media crowned a well, he shouldn't have caught interception on fourth and one. Herbert feeling himself five for five for 56 yards on the next series. Hello, Mr. Carter. All alone for a 33-yard tutty. 14-10, feeling a little bit better, mate. We were feeling a little bit better on the couch. Alas, the lead was short-lived. Arizona, Murray using his legs more and more. Chargers D failing to make a stop on any of three third-down situations. Kyler himself scrambles in for a tutty, down 17-14 at the half. Arizona came out trying to run it down the Chargers' throats. It looked worrisome on the first few plays, but the Chargers corrected. Cliff Kingsbury was doing his best effort to not win the game. He sent Matt Prater out for a 49-yard attempt on 4th and 4. No good! Herbert amassed 18 consecutive completions, but a red zone stumble kept the Chargers to a field goal. It was more soft failures on third down defense as the third quarter trickled into the fourth. Kyler Murray connecting with James Connor, putting the home side up by seven. From there out, the Bolts D was near perfect, allowing just 16 total yards on three consecutive three and outs. However, it was the offense now stuttering its way into the dying stages. It took three of their own 
Three punts of their own before Clutch Herbert put together a phenomenal two-minute drill to connect with Austin Eckler. 23-25. Enter the devil horns. Two points daily time. Herbert to Everett. 0-15 left on the clock. Chargers get the win in true Chargers fashion. Way closer than it has to be. Anxiety-inducing football, but we did it! Road win, 6-5. Put the Cardinals in the bin. Justin Herbert goes 35-47 at 74.5%. 274 yards, three TDs, and notably zero interceptions. Whoa! Jack, mate, you <laughs> you took the words out of my mouth with the pillow comment, but how were you going in the uh, the finishing of this one? Uh, surprisingly calm. I mean, you do have to keep the lid on a little bit when you're sitting in an office with four or five other teachers, and they don't really want to see a grown man screaming up and down, jumping up and down and making the whole floor shake. So... Uh, I was I was decidedly calm. I thought the, the 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 two point call was a good decision. The not going for it on the fourth and seven, I didn't think was a particularly good decision. But I just wanted to start, and I said it in the show last week. One of the most important parts of the Chargers this season. Let's not talk and focus on the defense or the offense and Lombardi and Sally. Let's just talk about Ryan Ficken, Fiken, whatever the fuck his name is. But Ryan Fiken is doing an incredible job. And I'm going to say that if it wasn't for some of those punts and that coverage, uh, I'm going to say that, that this game goes in a different way. So well done, special teams. It's one of the best special teams in the league. We're in top five in a lot of those categories. So well done. Awesome team win. And God, we're just finding ways to get the job done. Awesome, awesome stuff. It was one of those bring your own energy games, right? Because you're, you're playing in Arizona and uh, it's, you know, 4 p.m. time slot. Not a lot of people watching it necessarily. And you just get stressed that it's going to be one of these slow starts. And unfortunately, that's what happened. It's, it's one of these things that we've had to grapple with that we're finding ourselves in holes early, but then we're finding our ways to dig ourselves out of the hole every single time. And winning. So you kind of left and we'll get through it. We'll go through this like we do every week. You talk about this, that, and the other thing that didn't work. And then you're looking at the end of the game and you go, oh, we won the game. And now we're six and five. So there's some kind of strength or call it ability or belief or spirit within this Chargers football team. And I think like you say, Jack, it definitely starts with special teams because if that was a you know bottom of the league unit, we'd be losing these close games, wouldn't we? We'd be finding ways to have a punt block or miss a field goal or just fumble a return. And we're actually picking up extra possessions um, or extra yardage through, I think, didn't they say we were the number one punt return coverage unit in the league mm. during the telecast? Yeah, so yeah. I'm happy yeah. to start there with special teams as my initial observation too. It's just the hidden yardage that traditionally good teams and well-coached teams excel in. And it's, very welcome that it's the Chargers team that are doing that. Oh, absolutely. I was blown away when I heard the, I think Trent Green say the 15-yard return on that punt was the longest that we'd surrendered for the year. I was like, oh, after 12 weeks, that's all you got against us. That's awesome. We don't have to worry about it. I think you said as well, Dustin who? I don't want to see him in the building again. Like, <laughs> yeah, I remember you were getting the beers. I don't want to see Dustin Hopkins again. Why? Why? Why fix it? Stick of the kicker. Um, stick of the kicker, baby. Uh, I'm all about special teams. It's It was such a, a worry point for years and years. Like we were always just going to lose games on special teams. Um, and now I feel so secure with it. I feel comfortable. Um, like safe. A, a down a dooner. Safe. That's right. It's, it's um, just so different, isn't it, when you punt it and you pin them within their own 20. All of a sudden, there's a sack and they're on their own three. The difference in the quarterbacks and the coaches and the whole opposition, you know, lining up at the three, it's just so different. It's just so different rather than sort of a, either a 25-yarder, you know, you take a 10-yard sack, you're at the 15, you still got a bit of space. But pinning them in their own, in their own 15 without much behind them, it just, it just changes it completely, I think, from a, from a play-calling perspective, from a pressure perspective. Uh, and we, we saw that come to fruition, which I think was just fantastic. It looks like Justin Herbert's back too. I mean, he's, mm. he's taking off and scrambling more than he's ever done before. And you just feel like... If he's capable of playing at that level, we're in every game. It doesn't matter. And we've seen it, right? It doesn't matter if we play the Chiefs or the Niners. 
or the bad teams. We're in every game with this guy and with Keenan back, which is just exciting to see. He didn't necessarily have a big game, but it's another game where he hasn't hurt himself, which is promising. Uh, I, mate, I really love seeing him back and, and kind of feeling himself. And he had to do a lot. I He had to do a lot this week because even though looking at certain grading, our offensive lines seem to have done all right. Watching the game a couple of times, it, they didn't play that well. The Cardinals got a lot of pressure on us. They showed a lot of looks. Herbert was getting out of the ball out of his hands with anticipation. There were a few that he threw to Keenan before he'd even broken out of his route. A lot of dump-offs to running backs again, right? It was kind of like 15 targets to Eckler kind of thing. So that also speaks to the pass rush that the cards were able to get onto us. So I don't know. Not everything's right, but we come away with a victory. And, you know, that's some stuff that's standing out to me early on. Andy, what what are any kind of like positive takeaways for the game from your perspective? Um, Keenan Allen was a massive one for me. Um, I'll dodge that one. Um, I guess I'll jump onto the defensive side of the Mm. ball. And we spoke about this, uh, noticed it during the game. Um, Aloe Gilman uh, seems to be improving quite quite nicely. Um, led the team in tackles with Drew Tranquil, seven apiece. Um, probably his best game so far, I think. Um, he did almost cost the team with that sort of silly sling tackle at the start. We both, both kind of got up and thought, that's almost 15 yeah. yards, brother. But yeah, uh, made some made some good plays uh, in the open field, which is kind of good. It's, it's nice to see. I mean, we've sort of seen a, a bit of a wave, um, a waveform of, Nas Adderley's form, and he's kind of in that that low trough or heading that way, um, trending downwards, as you would say, I guess. Uh, so it's good to see that we can get some actual deeper defenders playing in the safety because realistically, Derwin's better when he's in the box. Yeah, you know, when he's stuffing the run, when he's pressuring the quarterback, um, when he's working on the intermediates with the bigger tight ends, Travis Kelsey, that sort of stuff. Um, you need someone that you can have at the back, especially with the scheme that um, Staley operates with. And look, JT Woods, that effort on the tackle, not great. But look, we'll keep it to the positive. Yes. So Jack, I'll keep, I'll keep moving. Yeah. I'll move it along to you, mate. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, th- I think the defense. You know, this is a bit of a positive and maybe a bit of a negative. But I think we maybe just <laughs> need it. to resign ourselves to the fact that um, the odd sport. That, you know, we're gonna we're gonna leak the run. Uh, mm. And we're just going to have to find ways to turn the ball over. And Derwin, 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 Derwin James, uh, clearly, Derwin, whatever his name is, let's just call him Legend, uh, because he's the guy that's going to do it, right? He's the guy that's going to get it. So will it be a bend and don't break? I think it's going to be, especially against a Raiders team this week that's going to run the ball down our throats. We probably just need to work on our edges. But let's get, as you said, Andy, let's get Derwin around the ball. Joey Bosa's coming back soon. That's going to improve our edge defense I and, and run defense, hopefully. Let's just get these guys. Let's just put pressure on the quarterback. Let's just try and turn this ball over because I think that's the way we're going to get wins. It's not going to be a dominant defense. Mind you, those last three yeah. series from the uh, against the Cardinals, geez, I tell you what, they were schemed beautifully. Staley won the uh, won the Sean Payton Bowl there, so looks like Cliff Kingsbury might be actually falling off a cliff. And, or did uh, Arizona win the Sean Payton mm. Bowl there? Yeah, I, I, whichever way you want to look at it, who, who knows? But uh, Let, yeah, so no, it's exploring that Jack because I find that very interesting. I've been thinking about the run defense thing thing quite a bit, and the yuck stat that Daniel Popper from the Athletic posted. Um, was that right now the Chargers' defense is allowing 5.33 yards per carry on designed rushes. That's the worst average for any defense in the NFL since 2000. So 734th out of 734 teams. But exploring that, part of it's by design and part of it's not. So I think the part that's not is you've got Morgan Fox and Kyle Van Noy on the field on early downs when both of them are really specialist pass rushes or, and they're having to do the dirty work and it's showing with gashes up the middle. But don't forget, fa- Chargers fans and listeners, that part of the Staley scheme invites the run deliberately. Staley says it all the time. He says, you know, a 40-yard pass is eight five-yard runs. 
and it's the Fangio scheme, it's the cover two scheme. And you can focus on this game and say, well, you know, the Cardinals had 181 rush yards. What the hell's going on? Well, do you know what? Kyler Murray had 191 passing yards. So if you look at the total yardage for the game, Cardinals have 366. A bit more than you'd like, but you can live with it. I don't think we've quite struck the balance yet because you don't want to be such a sieve that it's actually in set, it's good for the opponents to be running the ball because they're getting first downs, right? But I think there's an interesting discussion there. What, what, do you, what do you reckon, Jack? It's, it's not that bad, right? Yeah. No, I, I don't think it is. And I had a look at, there's a really good um, Instagram account I follow for the life of me. I can't remember who it is, but the, I think it's called Chargers Pulse. Yeah. Um, and they put up a really interesting stat. So if you look at James Connor's 24 design runs, um, you know, running everywhere else other than at the left end, which allowed 10.5 yards on attempt and 63 yards um, on six attempts. The rest are all, you know, you've got running at the left guard, 2.3, running at the uh, middle left, middle right, averaging one and three, uh, 3.8. So they're all under five. It's just these huge gashing runs that we get popping to the yeah. outside. So I did allude to it or connect to it earlier that Joey Bosa coming back might change that quite decidedly. So if, if you look at what Connor's attempted, uh, you'd say that we've done pretty well. It's just busting those runs outside that we just can't seem to stop every week. Hmm. Yeah, we sort of ebbed and flowed with the containment of, of Kyler. Um, he, he sort of got away from us and then we, we got him back at the end. <clears throat> he was pretty damaging. And uh, when, when I think about runs out to the left, I think of Kenneth Murray coming in and just being drawn straight into a blocker and like whatever protection that you've got from the middle of the field is just gone. And he's got, you've got uh, a Lowy Gilman making tackles 15, 20 yards past the line of scrimmage. Crazy. To be honest, Tranquil does it as well. I mean, what watching when yeah. you look at the behind the quarterback vision, it's hard to know. We're not, you know, we didn't play football. There are times where the linebacker looks like, I see what, what they're thinking. They're thinking, I better clog in this hole in case he breaks inside. And then those are always the ones where they break outside and you go, oh, where's my linebacker? But then other times the linebacker goes outside and they're the ones they go inside. It's maybe an instinctual issue that they're not reading it. it. There, there was this... There was this play in the first quarter, and sorry, listeners, I don't. This has just come off the top of the dome, but Kyler Murray went to a hard count, and it was a run out to the left that eventuated by Connor bursting out the outside. Murray was looked like he was trying to either fill the A or B gap, but he was rushing it. So Murray did a hard count. Murray rushed, and then they went, "Oh, there's the the linebackers coming to fill this hole." Surely, though, you're thinking that you've shown your hand, you know that's what's going to happen. Surely you go, all right, so I've just gotten, um, uh, you know, I've just I've just shown my hand. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to show something different. I, is that what uh, a middle linebacker needs to do? As you said, Alistair, we didn't play football, so I don't know the decision tree that goes on and what the coach might say. Surely you think about it if you're Kenneth Murray and go, hold on, I've just shown my hand. What I will do is I'm going to, I'm going to, block the outside now because I've already shown that I'm going to block the yeah. big gap. I don't know. But seeing that it's very hard it's such to a hard play one. that position in this sport. It's so hard because then there are there were other times I was watching where I go, oh, Murray, why did you hesitate? When you look at um, Kyler Murray kind of scrambling off and he's playing the spy and he's just kind of waiting in coverage and maybe, yeah, it's a very instinctive position unlike any on the field. And it looks like at the moment we're kind of surviving with... Uh, let's say middling to, in Tranquil's case, just above average linebacker play. I keep thinking had we secured a Roquan Smith or, you know, a really good linebacker, I'd love to see this defense with a really good linebacker in it. And I don't know if we're ever going to see it because we've learned that if you draft linebackers early, the hit rate's terrible over the last five years. It's It takes a long time to learn the position but then no one wants to pay 15 million a year for a linebacker either because they don't think it's a high value position. So it looks like it's going to be Murray, Tranquil next year. Who knows? Maybe a bit of Troy Reader, but um, secondary played well, I thought. I thought Michael Davis had an outstanding mm. game for a guy who apparently hurt his knee on the final walk through practice and mm. maybe he didn't play. He had two pass breakups. He had a sack. 
He only gave up 36 yards in coverage. I thought he had a fantastic game. And Andy, I'll repeat what you said. Aloe Gilman played the best game of his career. Comfortably. Like, apart from that one near penalty, I mean, he, that coverage play he had right at the end of the game was critical where he forced the incomplete pass. And he, he was mm. tackling really well. So a lot of open field tackles. Um, so it never hurts to have, you know, more defensive backs up your sleeve. And we haven't even had to go to your Jaseer Taylors and Dean Leonard. So when Adley's right to go, maybe he doesn't even start. So it's a good problem to have, I think. Well, we had um, Raheem Lane active as well, did yep. we not? Um, he did. He played really well on special teams. Yeah. So we've got plenty of them. Um, just back to Troy Reader, one snap. I would have mm. thought that's a bit rough after last the week. week he had last week. Um, John Spanos, you reckon? Yeah. Alan. Yeah, there's, hey. some, <laughs> oh, there's some stuff happening up top there. Play, play the first rounder. Play him. Yeah, some kind it's of goblin dumb. up in the coat in the owner's box. I like it. <laughs> Look, I don't know. I don't know whose fault it was that Kenneth Murray ended up on Hopkins uh, for that opening touchdown. Um, he blew the shit out of that tackle on James Connor in the fourth quarter for yeah. his touchdown. And he, I just don't think he should be in charge of that being that spy he gets sucked into fakes and yeah just eaten by blockers um it's it's a real issue um al i've got a question for you uh do you do you see it as a good or a bad thing that we're not hearing zon's name called that much we spoke a little bit about it when we were watching the the telecast um a couple of quiet games can't be too bad for a defensive back what are you seeing from him so far in his second season quiet's good for a defensive back so he Gave up one catch for the entire game. Targeted twice. Gave up one catch for five yards. I'll take that. It, 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 it wasn't clear who he was playing on as much because Hopkins was on Mike Davis quite a bit. Mm. Callahan actually got Hollywood Brown quite a lot. So I think it was like AJ Green, Robbie Anderson who weren't getting the targets. So look, that, that happens. Yeah. Asante's still a young cornerback. He's been an up... He's had moments, he's missed opportunities to steal possessions with turnovers. If I had to guess at this stage of his career, I kind of feel like his ceiling is being a really good CB2. And that's okay for a second round pick. I just don't think he quite has the athletic traits, perhaps, to be a, a shutdown corner. He's, he's undersized, he's not super fast, but he's got a good nose for the ball and he's a willing tackler and he's got all that edit- attitude. So I'm really glad he's on the team and I think he's trending in the right direction, but he's not, he's not a difference maker by any stretch. Well, well, the signing of JC Jackson would probably lend itself to say that that's what the organization thinks yeah. as well. They're probably not signing JC Jackson if they believe that uh, Zont's going to be you know, a number one CB in the future. Um, but I mean, he's playing well. If he's not being targeted, the one time that he's targeted, he only leaves it for five yards, which is which is great. Um, Andy, this is just a question for you. Um, why why are we missing so many tackles? That's a rhetorical one, but this is a more direct one. Are we physically strong enough across the board? Are we are we actually strong enough? Because our tackling grades for the season says that we're not, and the way that we're missing so many tackles suggests that we're not. Are we beat? Uh, are we built for defending speed? And that's why these that's why these like James Connor, who is not a top tier running back, made us look like little boys. What's going on? Uh, look, I can't attest to the strength of these individuals. They look jacked as shit, so I'd say they're strong enough. Especially Kenny Murray. Anything from yeah, Kenneth anything Murray. anything for me is just um, like yeah. You know, I guess in his case, a spatial awareness uh, issue. But the angles that they they take tackles at, so the way that you approach the oncoming player, um, the where they go for them, like I'm seeing like Nas Adderley diving in with his shoulder at their feet. I'm like that can't be an effective way to tackle. So I don't know. Are they are they maybe not being coached the right way? Is it traits that they've had in the past? But these are traits that they've been drafted for, mm. allegedly. So it's a good question, mate. But I, 
I I think it's just the the way that they go about it. It doesn't seem like it's an effective. It's not an effective way. Clearly, mm. it's not an effective way of doing it. Um, I uh, look. I don't know how to compare to the best tacklers in the in the league, but we ain't got them. Um, and that's that. Al, do you have anything to add to that? You've you you handballed it to me. That's a toughie. Like, what are you meant to say? I mean, I mean, you can say. I don't know. In case you just had some kind of bizarre expert not really not really i mean i'd only say that these days you're looking for fast hybrid athletes and maybe somewhat undersized compared to days of yore where you've got these fantastic tacklers and if you couple that with the fact that players aren't allowed to practice as much as they used to tackling is a skill and like any skill repetition helps and they're not allowed to really do it that much in the preseason so that's why you have these guys like Mm. jt woods come into the league with a tackling deficiency it's really hard to get better at that during the season when you're not really allowed to practice it. So I don't know. That's just yeah. something I th- that came to me then, which is you know who knows. No, no, you're right. That's a that's a really good point. It's such an odd paradox. Such an important part of the game has, I guess, rightfully been minimised yeah. to a point for the health and safety aspect of it. Just get I, more I of those. I... Get more of those guardian helmets. <laughs> I think that's a really good point, Andy, because the game's at a crossroads, right? We talked a couple of weeks ago about the concussion rule, and I think, Alistair, that was when you and I did the duo. The game is at a crossroads in terms of how to tackle. Like, do you, Even leading with your shoulder, trying to bump the ball out, you're going to go helmet to helmet. You know, you stick your arm out to a guy that's 260-odd pounds or 200, let's say 210, 220, running full speed, your arms, you're going to rip your arm out of your socket. So what do you do? And it's just taking good angles. But when you sign guys like JT Woods and uh, – I mean, he's not a physical specimen. So uh, I would have loved someone like Kyle Hamilton there. But, um, but someone like Derwin James, there's a guy that knows how to tackle. And is that just a philosophy thing because the guy's an absolute dog? Or is it a is it a determination thing, or is it actually a technique he's, thing? Who knows? That was just an a alien question. I think Derwin James six foot three and runs like animal. the Dickens. Oh, Andy, I, I want to check on your mental health. Were you runs like yeah, the Dickens? Were, were you okay? Were you okay seeing Stephen Anderson wearing a Cardinals uniform out there with McKitty wearing a Chargers one? Just need to check in on you, mate. <laughs> oh, Trey McKitty. If he's not running into like the pulling blocker, he's costing us a much needed. First down, um, get that guy off the goddamn field. Like, we had Stone Smart in for a little bit. Trey McKitty, it's just, it was a bad pick. We didn't like it then. Don't, I hate it now. Uh, no redeeming features. And yeah, I had forgotten until they called his name. And I was like, oh, Stephen Anderson. Oh, I miss him. <laughs> Mr. Anderson. Yeah, there was a bit of a... I'm. I was. I'm okay. We won. Yeah. Speaking of speaking of tight ends, Alistair, Here we go. Is Gerald Everett a more important piece to Herbert than Mike Williams? No, no, no. I don't think he's more important. Uh, but it's it's great to have a blanket over the middle. I mean, what? Why? I, why I paused there? It was because. I think it could be more important where you have an offensive coordinator who's actually capable of getting separation, right? Whereas in this particular scheme, throwing jump balls to Mike Williams is actually kind of important. A lot of the time, Herbert's like, no one's open. <laughs> where Where's am I going? <laughs> okay. So that's why that's that's my thinking why Mike's actually probably quite important in this particular scheme yeah. as the as the X receiver. Remember all that talk about Mike is the X. The but, X. Yeah. Hey, oh, but okay, on yeah. that one, Everett's key play of the season really was why do we talk about the two-point conversion um i think we have to talk about the two especially when all the talk is lombardi's a bit conservative and blah 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 well what was that that was very similar to the stick flat concept that was run at the goal line against the kansas city chiefs that led in a 99 yard pick six this time breaks inside doesn't it make a difference when keenan draws two defenders with him and that look and Eckler and Eckler takes the linebacker orbit as well. motion. Woo! Yep. Poor so, Isaiah Simmons that was, was just stuck. He looked like Andy on the dance floor, not moving at all. And and wand. That's ever just moves straight through training style. Well, we're talking about lack of spatial awareness before, and I was thinking about me on the dance floor. So you know, I'm trying to deflect. 
so and that was just I got moves. that was easy as anything. That was easy as anything. It was yeah, great. What, what did you think of Lombardi generally in this one, Jack? I mean, we put up 25 points against a defense. That's not very good. Yeah. What do you reckon? Well, that was my second, uh, you know, my second question was actually going to go, was going to ask you, did Joe Lombardi do enough to keep the Wolves at bay? I think he probably did. The way that he just refused to almost run on every first down, I can't, I there was a couple of times where we ran on first and second down, but he it was just play action, go, play action, go. A lot of check downs, a lot of targets to Eckler. Oh God, if, if Eckler ever gets injured, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what the check down is for Herbert then. Maybe it's Gerald Everett. 25 points on a pretty average to low defense. Still probably not good enough, especially because Herbert is playing really yeah. well. I would love to see more design runs. I don't I'm not sure how far this offense can take Justin Herbert even when it's clicking really well. I mean, last year perhaps you could suggest that it does because we were one of the highest scoring offenses in the league. Year to year though, is is it is it creative enough for Herbert to grow as a player or is it just going to be Drew Brees chick chick dink and dunk 20 10 5 and maybe a long ball every time? I just don't know if the actual offense itself is is good enough for modern day football. And that's a pretty big mm. statement to make. I just don't think it's creative Not enough. Not when your defense is ranked whatever we are, the 30th in the league. Maybe if no. the defense was good as well, that would be fine. But we're not really optimizing or maximizing Herbert's strengths. But We need to score points. We just need to score points. That's what it is. And the offensive coordinator needs to scheme. It can't rely on players. It can't rely on... Keenan Allen always getting open because he's just an, such an efficient route runner. It can't rely on Mike Williams always getting a jump ball because he's just a physical specimen. It can't rely on Eckler missing one, two, three tackles for a 15-yard game. You need to actually scheme players open. I just don't know if the offense is creative enough to allow I'm that. I'm starting to see it a little bit more, and I, I said it last week. I think that it's more easily achievable for the offense with Keenan because he does so much without the ball um, <clears throat> that helps the other guys. So I was okay with the way that we started. Things just sort of didn't work. We had a nice seven-yard run to start the game. Um, I, I I didn't mind the sort of more conservative scripted approach than we went with against KC, even though it didn't pan out. It was just really annoying that our defense, bar Derwin James, um, started so flat. And it made it really hard. I'm so fed up of watching nothing to 10 leads uh, or, or deficits. And then having to just play clutch football and everyone go, oh, yeah. It's like, well, why couldn't we just play better than shit for the whole game? And we wouldn't have had this problem. Well, the trenches stuff is going really poorly at the moment, right? We, we can't, yeah, we, that's, we, total, that's a total We can't joke. pressure the quarterback. We can't stop the run up front. On offense, we're not pass protecting very well and our run blocking is abysmal. So it's really, it's skill positions and defensive backs. That's this team, which does not probably augur well um, for the rest of the season. Just a quick little aside to something funny that, that I noticed, uh, and I wonder if you picked it up. Did you notice they uh, said one of the Cardinals players' names was Andre Bocellia? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, Andre Bocellia. Mate, yeah. he should be in the locker room after the game singing a Clint Kingsbury, Time to <laughs> say goodbye. <laughs> They're fucked. The Cardinals are fucked. Did you hear Kyler? Did you hear Kyler Murray <laughs> oh, come out after yeah. the game? What did What did he say again, Jack? S- uh, schematically, we're we're fucked. Schema- yeah, schematically, what? we're fucked. That's he said on live what is TV. What's going on? And just What's walked going off. on with that team? <laughs> Whoa! He's not doing his homework. Jesus! So impressed. You said it before. So impressed. We kept that receiving group and that that capable quarterback to 190 yards in the air. And when you put it that way, would you rather a series of five-yard runs? Yeah, probably would, considering where we're at. Our strength is in our secondary, in the, on the defense at the moment, and uh, I'm okay with it. It's how it's going to be so we don't just get blown up all the time. Well, the thinking is if they do that, you will make a mistake along the way. So it's frustrating to watch, mm-hmm. but you think a lot of five-yard runs gives you a chance of, 
Adu and James Force fumble. Out pops the ball. Exactly. Over. Yeah, precisely. Um, God, what a game he yeah. had. Force fumble and interception in the same one. Awesome. God, that was good. And just on that interception, uh, I mentioned in the my little rundown yeah. of the game that there was a bit of like, oh, he shouldn't have can, caught it. Of course, if he'd batted it down, if he'd batted it down, it would have been... So. <laughs> oh, were you... you Oh, Trent Green said it, but we I'm, did yeah. talk about that. But it's been it's been it's been it's been flashing about. Um, if he'd obviously batted the ball down, it would have been an incompletion, and we would have taken over at the thirty-four yard line or whatever it was. Instead, we end up twenty yards back because he's actually caught the ball, and there's a dead ball spot. But how is he going to bat that ball and decide down? Decide that he's in got, his head, uh, right? Like, like the point, the, the ball he incredibly acrobatic. Up. And Hopkins grabs an acrobatic catch and everyone's going, why didn't you just... Yeah, absolutely agree. Like, yeah. like, Trent Green is not the most erudite um, colour commentator in the NFL. That's all right. It wasn't that good a quarterback either. But, like, <laughs> like I, I know they tra- like they train you that on fourth down, you don't want to intercept the ball unless you can take it home for a score. Makes sense, right? Because you start wherever the line of scrimmage is. But in that scenario... You can't expect the player to go through all of those decisions when he's trying to primarily stop him catching the ball and what's he going to do? And scoring over the top. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Oh, well. And also, it's good to just pick off a yeah. quarterback. It's just Stats, good to pick him off. Pro Bowl, mate. Yeah. Like INTs. Yeah. yeah. Get paid. Just go stick it to him. Fuck off. I just, I just picked you. He Fuck got off. paid, man. He got yep. paid. Uh God. Onto the uh, just onto the offensive line, I think just quickly, Salia had a bit of coming back down to earth. JJ Watt showed him a good good time with a couple of sacks. They just had an ability to get home a lot more. Jack's boy did well too than we did. Zach yeah, Allen. Zach Allen. He was about. He's um, got a good eye getting, for talent. We're getting Jack. He knows what he's he knows what he's watching. <laughs> knows his stuff. Well, you know uh, who doesn't have a good eye is Will Clapp picking up a zero blitz. Uh, no, no straight idea. Straight through to the keeper. Absolutely yeah. no clue. Yeah. Hey, hey, but straight on that through. one, that's a Jack's teachable moment. Herbie, you can't take a sack with three minutes left in the game on a third and seven when you're down by seven no. points at the Arizona 35. He yep. took a 13-yard sack there. You need to know the rules, right? There were more blitzes because they sent the house. They went an all-out blitz. More blitzes than protectors. So as a quarterback, you're supposed to know, I'm hot, I've got to get it out. And looking at it, it didn't look like there was a hot route, but you've just got to throw it at the feet of a receiver. And see, he looked like Zach Wilson. He ran yeah. back 13 yards and ate it. Worst moment of the game yeah. for him. The only bad one, a learning experience. Was he under center or was he in the shotgun there? Can't remember off the top of my head, mate. Uh, Cause I'm yeah, because I'm just thinking if he's if he's under center, that makes maybe a little yeah, more sense. I reckon no, he, was he wasn't. He must have been in the shotgun. Yeah, he was in the shotgun. Mm. Yeah, he just Simmons just blew straight up. But yeah, you got to throw that away. But you know that's a learning curve. He doesn't seem to make the same mistake twice. Well yes. put. Hope. Yep. So yeah, yeah. Uh, boys, anything further on the game before we move along? Uh, for me. Uh, again, a little bit of offensive line. We noted in our group chat together, but losing Frank Smith, who is a you know a New Orleans um, coach on that offensive line, has severely has severely limited. I think a lot of the production, a lot of the younger players. Yes, we're playing third and fourth stringers, but Brandon Nugent, I'm not sure if he's going to stick around for that long. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Pretty tough, given the cattle that are not playing. But yeah. yeah my- Frank well, Smith. actually, on that, Jack, while back, you're please. talking about the younger players and their development, I did have a question for you just relating to Zion Johnson. He started off like he was shot out of a cannon, and he's sort of in the last four to six weeks, he's come down to earth a little bit. Do you see there to be any relation to that's how he that was his benchmark talent, and that's how he came out of college and he was playing like that, or he has sort of declined a bit because the league's caught up with him? Or he's had more coaching influence that has maybe negatively impacted his game. Do you have any kind of impact to any sort of any thought to that? Oh, I think it's a five-man unit, right? And when you've got players either side of you, who it's very clear that Corey Lindsley is the key to that offensive line. When Corey Lindsley's playing, the guards do okay, I think. Um, but when if he's in and out, 
who does Zion Johnson look to leadership? It's Pipkins. All of a sudden, he goes out, and that's been a bit of a revolving door. He's going, well, what am I actually doing here? So I think there's always going to be a bump in someone like that, given the quality offensive line that we had at the start of the year. Um, but also, you get tape, right? So the more you play as a as a lineman or as a uh, both offensive and defensive, people look for tendencies. People mm. look for every time that there's a run call, what are you doing with your hands? How are you setting yourself um, at the line of scrimmage? And the more that happens, and the more um, the more tape and more games you play, you have to start thinking about well, what am I? You have to study your own game and go, well, what am I actually telling? What am I actually telling the opposition? Um, when there is an outside zone run, how am I actually lining up and what am I doing with my body? So I think um, that it's just natural to see uh, an offensive lineman um, sort of drop off a little bit. Yeah. In the normal situation, I think he's done a fantastic job given both sides, either side of him, uh, his his center and for his sure. tackle are just revolving doors. So I think he's holding up really well for a rookie. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I've, I've got one final one, Andy, if you're um, sure. interested. Uh it's it's just occurred to me that a lot of like we spend so much time talking about you know maximizing your win probability and all the teaching and scheming and you know football and Kingsbury goes for the field goal but Staley goes for the two point conversion and yes great but part of the thing that makes football so beautiful to watch is there is an element that is just straight up sheer dumbfounded luck. Zayvon Collins, is that an INT? Is that not an INT? Are they going to reverse it? Are they not going to reverse it? That moment, think about what that moment means to Brandon Staley's life and the rest of his coaching career. That moment is everything. The Chargers have just won a game in a six and five. If we walk out of that stadium five and six because Collins caught that ball and runs off and we lose by 10 points. The pressure dial turns up 30 degrees Celsius or whatever the Fahrenheit equivalent is for the US listeners. And Staley's life gets real difficult. Amy Staley's not talking to him when he gets home. The kids, they're not saying hi to dad. He's straight in the dungeon. He's watching film. It's just sometimes it's amazing to sit back and just appreciate that little flips of the coin and happenstance and serendipity can dictate your like where you go in your life. Sounds like you should be thankful for it. Nice segue. Mm. Yeah, it's a good point. I was adamant that that ball hit the ground. I knew I was right. I was also right. No Sonny Michelle this week. That was kind of fun to see that they go with uh, Josh Kelly and Spiller. I mean, we gave up on the run pretty quickly. Herbert was the leading rusher, but... That's okay. We did what we had to do. We got on with it, and it doesn't matter if you win 45-10 to 10, like we did against the Cards in 2018 or you win by one point like we did last week. A win's a win's a win in the NFL. We're 6-5. and five. Let's get right into the next little bit. Now, <clears throat> we don't have Thanksgiving in Australia, um, and I, I'm, I'm a little bit peeved, but we've got plenty of public holidays, don't get me wrong. But it seems like it's a really lovely kind of community, every, like community-based holiday. Your family and your friends, anyone just has a lovely lunch together. It's great. So what we thought we'd do here on TDU is um, pay a little homage to Thanksgiving and going around the horn, each of us are just going to list a couple of things that we're thankful for. So, Jack, get us underway. Oh, bit soppy. I've got a couple of soppy ones, but I have to say them. So I'm very thankful for my partner, my fiance, Rebecca. Uh, it's been a pretty difficult year for us uh, as a couple in multitude ways, but uh, you know, the strength that she's displayed is nothing short of extraordinary. So um, I'll always enjoy cooking good food by her side and sharing a lovely glass of wine. So I'm very lucky and thankful to be her partner. So that's my good first on one. You, Jack and good on your back as well. If you're listening, yeah. possibly now she will. Uh <laughs> I'm thankful for, I'll go soppy too. I'm thankful for the two of you. I'm, I am thankful. You're like, oh, we all did the same thing. I am, I am. We, we, we have, I bet you to it. We're, we're building something from the ground that we're passionate about and that we love. And I get a real sense of purpose and enjoyment doing this every single week with the two of you. And I'm really excited. The two of you are going to be groomsmen of mine 
uh, in just over a week now at my wedding. So this is, I'm living my best life here. I'm really enjoying myself and I'm grateful that I'm doing it with the both of you. Good on you, mate. Woo. Thank you, mate. Appreciate that. Well, I, yes, I'm, I'm grateful for having two fantastic mates to be able to share this with, as you said, Al, um, so much fun. It's just so much fun doing this and being able to interact with people from across the world. Zimbabwe. About it too. It's just real, real, just pipe pipe dream stuff. So thank you. Uh, Thank you for all the listeners as well. I say that every week. But um, uh, another soppy one. Um, I'm thankful for my wonderful fiance, Cash. Uh, She puts up with me and the amount of time I spend watching football. Uh, relative to our weeknights spent together. So Monday to Wednesday, I'm unavailable. Um, she's fantastic. Always cooks me dinner the night that we record and has it ready for me just before we jump in. She's um, super supportive and uh, super lady. So thank you. I've got a, well, I've got a couple more, um, but it's almost Christmas and it's a little bit of a different climate down here down under uh it's getting very cold and snowy uh, in much of the continental united states whereas here it's getting warm i just think this part this time of year is wonderful i love the feel yes work is very stressful everyone's trying to get stuff done um, especially at a school before the 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 long break of sort of six weeks which for which i'm also very thankful for uh but yeah i love it i just can't wait spending my time heading off to melbourne chilling with my friends my family drinking good booze stuffing myself silly with food it's a fantastic time of year i just cannot wait to work that that final day at work and just chill watch football do the podcast it'll be awesome hopefully games that matter too. playoff playoffs beckon Uh, a quick a quick thank you and a gratitude towards the bolts from the blue because they they yeah They've supported us from day one. If you look at our first couple of episodes, they all listened en masse, all getting involved. And with any kind of pastime, people come in, people go out, but we get consistent feedback and listeners from the Bolts from the Blue. Speak to a lot of them. Um, I'm always interacting with them. And I hope you never take it personally when sometimes we have robust discussions and debates. It's all great and it's a brilliant community we've got there online. So here, here, and I'm thankful for the Bolts from the Blue. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Here, here, indeed. Um, I am thankful for DeAndre Carter. <laughs> Onto the football stuff. <laughs> I'm thankful for DeAndre Carter. So far, I think he's my sneaky team MVP. Love him. Yeah. Uh, I'm also thankful for special teams coordinator Ryan Ficken. Um, like I said, special teams now, not so much a worry for me. Uh, I back us to win games from special teams if we need. So, thank. Thank you for just soothing one bit while everything else sort of falls to shit. And you know what? I'm going to thank my last one is thanking the football gods because we've had 14 or 15 years. How long was Philip Rivers our quarterback? 14 years, was he? I can't remember off the top of the dome. Anyway, it was it was a long time. 18, and Justin 17, Herbert has, yeah, has, Justin Herbert has fallen into our yeah. lap. God, that doesn't happen. And if you look at all the other quarterback issues that are around the league at the moment, if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a shot at the championship. It's as simple as that. And we seem to have uh, one that should hopefully one day take us all the way. So praise be to the football gods. And thank you, thank you, thank you for Justin Herbert and Philip. Praise be. No, that's a nice one to end on from my perspective. So I'm, I'm all out. Beautiful. Uh, I've got one more, and just to touch on it, such a pivotal moment of the game. I'm thankful that although I feel like the coaches were near forced, they made the right call to go for two and win the game at the end. Like you said, Al, it's chalk and cheese between being five and six in the AFC at the moment and six and five and um, coming into a divisional game, which we'll get into in just a sec. So, like we said, thanks, Everyone, thanks to you guys. Thanks to all the people around us. And uh, thanks some of the Chargers And to my beautiful fiancé, Kirsten Lorraine Miller. You're so supportive. Sorry, I had, had to throw that in. Otherwise, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Save it for next week. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. Hopefully you get through it without crying, oh, mate. Got no all chance. Right. Oh, no chance. <laughs> Play on. Zero chance. <laughs> uh, Chargers injury news. 
Corey Lindsley is in the concussion protocol. He left the game following the the Keenan Allen touchdown play. Um, uh, If you remember, that drive had a big pile-up on a third and one, the QB sneak, uh, and he looked like he copped a couple of accidental helmet-to-helmets just on stand-up blocks uh, on at least two other plays. So you'd assume, considering he left in that second quarter, didn't return, um, that he probably isn't suiting up for the Raiders. Um, which is a bit of a fu- bit of a bloody concern. Uh, uh, Tr- Trey Pipkins re-aggravated his MCL. We saw him go down. Um, Staley says he's day to day to see how he goes. I imagine he'll continue to suit up, and we'll just get what we can yeah. out of him. Um, he did return to the field. Interesting that they didn't suit up Storm Norton. I thought that was a bit crazy. Um, Sorrell gave up two hits on his seventeen snaps. So yeah. Look, I know Storm Norton's not great, so unless he was injured, I don't think he was. Um, just get some more protection for Justin Herbert. That's crazy. No real update on Mike Williams or Joey Bosa. Yes, sort of still the same. Um, all right. Raiders versus the Seahawks. Um, God, it was delightful to watch Derek Carr throw two interceptions in the first quarter. Anyone would have thought it was just a free steak dinner watching this one. Uh, Geno Smith was a little error prone himself. Uh, two interceptions of his own in the first half. And Josh Jacobs, holy shit, um, looked awesome on that 30-yard TD run. Um, went into the half 21 apiece and ended up being 34 all full-time, going into overtime. Josh Jacobs on the second possession, walk-off, 86-yard touchdown. Yeah, what a day he had. Uh, 33 carries, 229 yards, two TDs. He also went, I think, six from six or seven from seven, 76 yards in the air. Um, <laughs> yeah, that stat line's a real backbone to my fear factor view on this matchup. Derek Carr sort of turned the ship after his two early picks. He went 25 for 36, 295 yards, three TDs and two INTs. Devontae Adams, similar kind of receiving stats to Josh Jacobs, all happening, got there. They're sort of starting to get a little bit of mojo, the Rages. Um, oh, look, it's going to be it's going to be a sneaky tough one. Uh, Jack, what do you see as being the, the greatest strengths to this Raiders outfit? We, well, we know we've, we've, we've played them early. This is the, the, the real Week 18 mat, uh, rematch in Las Vegas, coming off a road win. Well, you've kind of covered most of them. Josh Jacobs uh, has the potential to have an even bigger day than he did <laughs> against the Seahawks. Yeah. Uh, something that we didn't necessarily touch on is just the edge rushes for the Raiders. That's they're gonna they're gonna Max Crosby. He's I'm really worried for Justin Herbert's life. I think mm. uh, so. The offensive line is going to have to do as much as or the tight end room and the running backs going to have to do as much as they can to help out our tackles and our guards. Uh, and clearly, Devontae Adams is someone you you have to stop. And just the Raiders' strengths, they will want to beat us. They will really, really want to beat us because they're the fucking Raiders. And that's a strength that they have because we beat them early in the season. And as last season went, we know what happens when they need to beat us. God, it didn't end well for us. So um, those are just some strengths off the top of the dome. Yeah, I mean, Adams has rounded into form very nicely. He's... I think he's had 480 receiving yards in the last four games. So with the injuries they've had to a couple of key players, they're just like, you know, it's Josh Jacobs and we're going to feed the shit out of Devontae Adams and it seems to be working for them. And then perhaps an under-the-radar strength, Jack, is their offensive line who we've generally laughed at the last few years. Before that, they were really good, but they've definitely been bad the last few years. PFF has them graded as the eighth best pass-blocking line in the league at the moment mm, the not point. a lot of household names i mean colton miller on the left side is good but then you've got dylan parham young andrew james alex bars jermaine illuminor you would think that would be a terrible offensive line but they're just getting it together as the season's developed so yeah they've, they've got a few strengths but not too many because they haven't won a lot of games andy do you want to add anything are you happy for me to go into the weaknesses too no, for me, it's Josh Jacobs in the run game and the, those edge rushes against whatever we're putting up at, at tackle. Yeah. Scares me. Yeah, well, okay, I agree. I mean, they're pretty, pretty clearly defined strengths. 
their weaknesses are also quite clearly defined. The injuries have, have really hurt them in a couple of spots. Darren Waller, IR. Hunter Renfro, IR. On the defense, Nate Hobbs, Devine Diablo, not playing. So they don't really have the cattle to step up at tight end. Foster Moreau's just a bit meh. So the fact that they're missing some yeah. guys, you've, they're nowhere near as dangerous as they have been in the past on offense when they're full strength. And the defense gives up a lot of points. I mean, their secondary is quite average. They don't have any star on the secondary at all. Keenan Allen should have a field day. If only you had Mike Williams, he eats up the Raiders. It would be even better, but I don't think we do. But there are at least a couple of weaknesses. Maybe I'll throw to you to Jack in case you've got any others in the, uh, in the toolkit that I've left out. Uh, just get, well, you've got Derek Carr at quarterback, which is a strength, but it's also a big weakness. Get to him early, get to him often. Make him shit his little black pants, please. Okay. Get to him. They wear black. Or they, do they wear silver? I don't know. Whatever. It's ones that you can't see the poo sil- stain in. They're silver pants. <laughs> are they silver pants, are they? Oh, well. Maybe he needs to wear black ones so he can't see the poo in It's his black pants, ones. They'll be brown after Max done with him. Exactly. So, yep. Derek Carr. Okay, quarterback. But we know that he loves to throw a bit of a loopy long ball. Let's see if we can pick one off. Let's see if we can pick a couple off. DJ, Asante Samuel, I'm looking at you. Maybe even Tranquil. Ooh. You know, was it last time Tranquil yeah. picked Carr off up the uh, yeah. on that seam route so. to uh, to Darren yep. Waller? So dropped into that Tampa two coverage and Callahan yeah. too. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, just a couple of things for me. Uh, they are allowing, I think, 64, 69.4% in the red zone to opposition offenses and the secondary allows 10.3 yards per completion. So tuck in, get, yeah, tuck in, uh, keys to victory. Well, we've kind of just sort of said them really, um, anything else you want to add? It's sort of, what do we do about the, the sort of scripted plays at the start, the way that we start games, um, I think we know it on offense. We've got to take care of Max Crosby. I don't think we're going to be able to, but that's going to be an ongoing kind of nightmare. They've got linebackers who aren't good in coverage, right? Perryman and whoever else has kind of come in. They're not fantastic and their secondary is not fantastic. So we should be able to put up points. If we you know, if we have any chance against a team, we should be able to score points against the Raiders. That's what we do. Just go out there, Herbert and Keenan and Carter and Everett and Eckler and just put up 30 points. That's that's the offensive yeah. key to the victory. What do you think about uh, the defensive mm. side of the ball, Jackie boy? Yeah, defensively, it's fairly simple for me. You've got to bracket Devontae Adams. Let's not have another Kelsey situation. Uh, let's ensure that if he's, you know, he is dangerous when he gets a bit of space. So let's try to make those contested catches so he doesn't have a chance to use his legs. Uh, and don't let him, don't go man to man down the field with him because you're just putting the cornerback or the, the DB on an island and he'll just absolutely roast him in the route that he's going to run. So bracket him, lessen the time where he's got a one-on-one matchup uh, and let's just not have another Kelsey situation. He, the, Derek Carr's not throwing out fucking no, anyone else. No, let Matt Collins beat us, Deal right? with Devontae. Run Adams. blitz, run blitz, yeah. run blitz and double team Devontae. That's my thing. And if they want to yeah. win throwing the ball to fucking Keelan Cole or whoever else... Sure. Cool. We'll lose that way. Do it. Yeah. And also keep Jacobs on the inside, please. Don't bust him outside because he's got the power to break through um, those bad angles that some of our DBs take and linebackers take. So keep him on the inside as much as we can. Yeah. I feel a lot of 12 personnel coming just to sort of mediate the nonsense. We did okay with two two receivers. You usually have Everett chip chip off. Um, but yeah, let's let's get it. All right. Result predictions. I'm going to go first. I think the Chargers actually get home in this one, uh, 23 to 20. Uh, we find a way to win. That's what we're doing. We're finding a way to win. And uh, we get the most of Derek Carr. Throws a late interception to Sante Samuel Jr. Actually hangs on to one. So let's get it. For me, 27-17 Chargers. And I think Staley outmanages McDaniels in the fourth quarter. And we end with the ball in victory formation. I'll say very quickly, 30-27 Raiders win. I don't want to do this, but I think the Raiders win this one. I think we split the series with them. <laughs> but I, I like, I'm liking your energy and your vibes because it's Raiders week and we say F-T-R. T. It's also your wedding week, mate. We want to go to your wedding. Know, Happy. Know, Come on. Know, Come, know, on yeah. Come on, Raiders. Come on, Chargers. Let's All go. Right. 
It's it's funny that family trust respect resonates quite strongly with a wedding as well. Yes, that's very well said. It does. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all from us this week. Family trust respect. Let's FTR these bitches. I <laughs> uh, hope you all enjoy it. And we will see, see you next later. time on the Thunder Down Under Charges see podcast. Bye bye. Cool. Good night to all!